you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with you. And uh, Buck, I say we don't mess around. Let's just bring in our good buddy right now. We always love it when Bruce Feldman from Fox gets a chance to join us. Bruce, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I, this is one of my favorite things to do, so I'm glad I'm on with you guys today. All right. For those that are listening, Bruce, and in in kind of a little, let's call it what it is, a little bit of a troll job. Uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're in the Dodgers hat here just to, just to <laughs> taunt me. Just I didn't even me. I didn't even pay attention to that. Like you might be highly sensitive to that. It's you know, not. It's actually not. That way. It just worked out that way. Most of the hats I have are college hats. I can't really wear. Shouldn't be wearing a college hat on on this yeah. show. But you know, it is what. what it is. So let, I want I want to get to that before we get to all the good stuff we have today. Um, I I have all this stuff that I get from colleges and then NFL buddies. You know, and I I call the Charger games, but I have you know GMs and friends all over the league send me all this stuff, and I'm always like scared. I don't know why, but like even going to the grocery store, if I'm wearing a certain team's stuff that mm. somebody's going to think that, oh, you're there. It proves that you're you're impartial, you know, blah, 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 blah. Do you have to worry about that stuff as well, Bruce? Yes, because you you just know people are going to make some kind of assumption or, or think something. I, I mean, look, there's been plenty of times I've gone somewhere. Like I remember when I, I hadn't been here too long in Southern California, but I had some some like a Texas shirt mm. and. I had somebody walk by me and say, hook them. And my wife was with me and I just kind of ignored it. And she goes, your shirt. I'm like, oh, like, I don't think what I'm wearing. There's been times I've gone to Ralph's with a pit basketball shirt on and West Virginia shorts. And it's like, I'm wearing like the backyard brawl and I don't know it. You know, like I'm just, (laughs) I don't know. You know, I've seen, because I've done a lot of TCU games and I do like the color purple. You know, I've seen people go, do you go to TCU? No, I just know people there or whatever, but invariably you'll run into some like I remember uh, you guys obviously remember David Sills at my gym like one of the guys who worked at the front desk he was like 
he's like, yeah, I have a buddy who goes to West Virginia. It turned out it was one of the guys from that same place that Kenny Bigelow and David Sills yeah. came from. Yeah. And so he knew all the West Virginia stuff. So it's a weird kind of icebreaker, even if you're not trying to break anybody, any ice. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> Uh, I want to get to I want to get to before we get to what's going on in the world of college football and, and some of these coaches and players uh, that you get a chance to, to study and see on a weekly basis and talk to uh, Bruce. I want to talk about some of these rookie quarterbacks and what you've seen. We're seeing, you know, Trevor Lawrence. Let's just start there. He struggled a little bit early on. Uh, it's not a good football team. They earned the number one overall pick, no doubt. But this is the first, I would say, real, real adversity uh, that he's had, maybe from you know high school through college to the NFL. What in knowing him and knowing the coaches that have been around him, how do you think he he handles this? I think he'll handle it about as well as could be expected. I think the challenge is they got to find some way to commit to a running game or something, or else you know, like I don't know how he's going to last. Um, you know, I, I think what's going to be interesting there is, I, and this is not necessarily a USC thing. I know maybe we'll talk about that later, yeah. but like Urban Meyer has never really dealt with any kind of like run of of losing you know I don't know when the last time if ever he's had like a three game losing streak he's probably gonna have a bunch of them. he may have a 12 game losing streak this year what is his mood going to be like how is how is that staff going to handle it because because obviously most NFL people you guys know this certainly better than me did not have lofty expectations for them now maybe people said oh they got a lot of cap space they're gonna have the first pick in the draft and, and everything else you know, for people who are looking at going, oh, they might be able to get to seven and nine or, you know, look at I mean, as far as I know, the Texans without without Deshaun, were going to be really awful, by the way, with a first time head coach. And they blew them out of the building. So, you know, like I'm not saying I worry for Trevor Lawrence. I think if there's anybody whose makeup would be able to to I think his temperament is really good, but it's going to get tested a lot this year because again, this is a guy who never lost a regular season game in high school or even a Clemson. Crazy. So, you know, remember that his team lost one last year, but he was out, you know, with COVID while DJ started it at not the other DJ, um, yeah. you know, against Notre Dame. So I don't know. I, I, I would hope that they can get some run game going or, or established. Cause if he's just going to be sitting back there, like I think they got to figure out what their offensive identity is in a hurry because Urban's going to get really frustrated, and I don't know how that's going to that's going to translate a couple of weeks from now. You know, it's funny that you bring up the offensive identity thing as it relates to Trevor Lawrence, but this is a question that will be specific to him, but also to others. Urban Meyer talked uh, in a presser earlier this week. He, he he talked about how he wanted Trevor Lawrence to play professional quarterback, and one of the things that they elected not to do was to basically take Clemson's offense and try to run that in the pros while Trevor was a young quarterback until he was ready to handle more. How, when you hear that, how does that kind of resonate with you when you think about what you know about Trevor, but also what you know about Urban and what he was really known for as an offensive mind, kind of bringing the spread to college football? Yeah, I think it's interesting just that it's not Wake Forest's offense they had at Clemson, but it certainly wasn't what Mac Jones was dealing with. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in some ways, again, my I would be kind of surprised if the uh, the same offensive coaches are going to be there in 2022. Like there's going to be some band-aids getting ripped off there. Um, and I don't think to, to me, Urban Meyer is the hardest guy to predict of any coach that I've been around because. He changes his mind and can go from one extreme to the other in a shockingly short period of time. And so when he's out of his comfort zone, how does that relate? And so what you, what you got here now certainly is a quarterback who's out of its comfort zone because they don't have a lot of speed around him. Right. And mm. Travis Etienne, who was, should have been like something of a security blanket, obviously he, you know, unfortunately he's out for the season. I just think that, like urban is really uncomfortable with what the pieces he has when, you know, I think I was on with you guys and maybe it was DJ who said, I'm trying to remember if this was on the podcast or not. We talked about Zach Wilson and mm -hmm. basically they were more talented than everybody they played. And you mm -hmm. kind of went through these quarterbacks. All well, of them were. Yeah. 
Urban Meyer always has had the more talented team than anybody he's played. He's lost to some like Michigan State. He's lost to Purdue, Iowa, when they haven't been close to as talented. But even some of those games in the playoffs where you could argue that they were more talented than Clemson. I mean, mm-hmm. I imagine if you're, you know, you, you got a room full of your peers from the NFL scouting world, they would probably would say they were more talented than them. Yeah. Now, they might not have been more talented than that Alabama team last year, but I think that is the part that is going to be hard for him is when you go in, uh, you know, really undermanned. What are your answers going to be? And do those answers translate to is this the best thing for the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence a year from now? Because you because like I suspect if they don't try to commit to something that fits, feels more, you know, authentic into the NFL world then they're going to have to do that at some point anyway, because people are going to solve it. If you have something that feels like it's kind of gimmicky, that's not going to work, especially if you don't have a lot of speed around it. So, uh, you know, I'm really fascinated by how this, how this kind of thing gets sorted out over the next couple of couple of months. And even over the next couple of weeks, I was thinking back to uh, in the off season, it was out there that urban had spent time with Jimmy Johnson and Bucky, I think had referenced this in the past. And so, People were looking at, okay, Jimmy Johnson, you know, had that success in college, and he was one of those guys who was able to translate into a couple Super Bowls there with the Cowboys. And I think people said, okay, you kind of make that leap of Urban Meyer, similar to Jimmy Johnson. He's going to get to the NFL. And you kind of fast forward to, like, the Super Bowl years, forgetting the fact that he went to the, what, 1-15 in 15 year, uh, his yeah, first year there. And they were – yeah, though, so they had some – like, the thing is, Jimmy was able to navigate through that can urban navigate through what's coming? That's the question. Yeah, I don't know. They're different personalities. Yeah. And also, I think this this is a significant distinction. When when Jimmy Johnson was at Oklahoma State, remember, you know, OU was rolling then. They had a couple like three and eight seasons. So so Jimmy Johnson knew what it, what it was like to coach while your team stinks. Yeah, Urban has does not have that perspective at all. Now, maybe some of the teams that he – the programs he was on when he was an assistant – or maybe what you know, he certainly knew what it was but like. He was to, like at Notre Dame. I mean, was he ever yeah, was at Notre Dame? I want to say he was at CSU. Oh, was, was kind of going. Yeah. You know, so, but when you're the head coach and it's your operation, I mean, when he was at BG, they had Josh Cribbs, who was one of the, obviously one of the best players in that league. Josh Harris, I think, was the quarterback. Was he the quarterback yeah. during those years? Yeah, Josh Harris was quarterback. Josh Harris. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was yeah. Josh, Josh Harris. Yeah. And so, like at this point. I think that's different than him Him with Jimmy Johnson. And Jimmy Johnson, I think, is wired differently than Urban was. I mean, like, I've been around both a little bit, and they're just different people. I'm not saying the advice that that Jimmy could have given him wasn't valuable, but also Jimmy was doing it in the late 80s. Uh, a lot has changed since then. I also think how Jimmy Jimmy deals with players – his relationship is different than the dynamic with. You can't Urban. do that. You well, you can't do that anymore. Like the players, the way Jimmy could treat players back then, you can't treat players like that now. It just they won't. It won't work. Yeah, and and so you know, you know, it was interesting when it when he took the job. I think it's only going to get more interesting because a lot of people are like, "What is going to happen when they really stink and your ego is taking shots and your pride and people are questioning you?" And that, like all those, I've seen already a couple of stories, both of them came from CBS about like locker room gossip kind of things. Even you saw some comments from Draymond Jones, who was obviously a good player from Ohio State. Um, I think you're going to get more of that stuff is going to kind of come out. I don't know how much is going to be spot on, but that's the stuff you kind of get when things go bad. And that's where the intrigue is. I want to ask Bucky, I'm going to take a sidestep here. Buck, when Rule came in, Rule brought a lot of college coaches with him. So I know, look, I know yeah. that Joe Brady had that little bit of time with the Saints, but he had made his mark at LSU. Mm-hmm. That's where he, so he brings him Phil Snow in the college game yes. to come up. So, and I've, how many times have, Bruce, you've heard this a million times with these college coaches that say, man, NFL coaching is so overrated. Like we have just as good a coaches here as they have there. Mm-hmm. But, it, and then Jimmy Johnson, I think, had a good bit of college coaches that kind of came yeah. up with him. And it seems like Urban, I don't know if the college coaches didn't want to come with him or if he didn't want the college coaches to come, but he's surrounding himself with kind of like traditional NFL staff, Buck. And I'm almost wondering if that it's different for him in terms of what's around him than what he's maybe had in the past. A couple of observations, I would say, from being down there. Uh, I think what he's trying to do is something that he's never done before. He's trying to delegate 
and lean on the experiences of others as he tries to transition into the National Football League. I think that is a mistake based on everything I know about him, conversations with him, and listening to a lot of the stuff that he's put out there about leadership stuff. I think Urban Meyer has to be Urban Meyer. And whatever that looks like in the NFL version, that has to be. And I think the other thing, you bring up a good point in terms of bringing up college guys. I think he probably would benefit from having more of his guys or guys that he knows that he's either taught or worked with. So his message is being brought up, like given to the players directly. Because what you have is you have a mix of traditionalists and then the college guys. And I don't know if that always works. Because in my mind, I feel like some of the innovation that has happened in the league has come from the college game, not from guys mm-hmm. just magically bringing up these ideas. And so I do wonder when, when Bruce talks about a reset at the end of this year, I do wonder if he's going to say, hey, look, I tried it this other way. If I'm going to get it right, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down doing it the way that I know how it needs to be done and the way that I've always done it. Here's the part that I'm curious about. So what has helped Ryan Day out a lot was Ryan Day basically took, kept the best parts of Urban Meyer's regime. Part of it was Mickey Marotti, the strength coach, who's really big on the development side. The recruiting office with Mark Pantone, Larry Johnson, you know, all-time defensive line coach. Mm-hmm. Brian Hartline, who's been a great receiver coach and, and has been awesome. Yeah. For them. And mm-hmm. Ryan is the offensive guy. The, the issue for them, I think, a little bit with Urban was the shaky part, if there was one, was on the defensive side of the ball. And so the, the two guys, and there's more, like I think Ryan Stamper, who's an off-field guy who played for him at, at UF, who yeah. is – part of that staff. And he has Chris Ash, who was his DC mm-hmm. for a while at, at Ohio state before he went to Rutgers and Charlie strong and Charlie mm-hmm. went as a college coach, especially at UF, Charlie was the glue. He was the mm-hmm. guy who everybody respected in the locker room and everything. The offensive side is the part where like, uh, you know, it's the, it's the most curious part because there's mm-hmm. no college aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what kind of connection, like, on the D, the DC, Joe Cullen had worked for Jerry Donardo when he was at Indiana, and I know Urban really respects Jerry Donardo. They work together at BTN; they go way back. Um, but the offensive side, you know, like that's the part where it's like I don't know if you you're not getting Ryan Day to become your offensive coordinator. Yeah. This relationship with Tom Herman got got really ugly. So mm-hmm. I don't know where he looks, and it's not to say he can't find guys who are going to want to coach Trevor Lawrence. But this point was made to be by a college coach I know who knows the NFL world very well. He's like, when you get become an NFL head coach, you basically can hire two kinds of guys. You can hire fired NFL coaches. Or basically <laughs> Unproven. <college>. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so you're kind of limited. It's not like you're going to be able to say, hey, I'm going to take Pete Carmichael from the Saints or I'm going to take Kellen Moore from the Cowboys or whoever you know, or Martindale from the, you know, it's like, you can't get guys to, to pull them away. So you either get college guys who are, who are going to try to learn with you. Um, and most of those innovative offensive guys, they're either running their own show or they're not going to say, Hey, I'm going to go necessarily work for him. So I'm interested to see what he does, assuming he blows this up at some point. Yeah, I mean, we could go through we could go through all these rookie quarterbacks, but I think that one is the most fascinating because of the connection there uh, with with him and with Urban Meyer. I want to ask you about one other NFL guy before we jump into some of these uh, college conversations. Um, Sam Donald is off to a, a really good start here with the Carolina Panthers and with Joe Brady. And I, I also want to get to the you know we get to USC. We'll talk about that. I, I want to mention to Joe Brady as a potential candidate there. What you think about that? But I'm almost wondering. With so many guys now like Sam who weren't, you know, three and four year starters like we used to see coming in the NFL draft. And now we're seeing it every year with these guys kind of popping up and, and you know, one year, two year starters, redshirt sophomores, uh, you know, coming into the NFL. If maybe you think there could be a trend of teams being able to benefit on maybe some impatience uh, elsewhere. In other words, these quarterbacks come to the league, they're 21 years old, 20 years old, I think in Sam's case. Um and now maybe you know the maybe there's just a longer leash that's needed with some of these guys because we're not getting you know the Peyton Mannings coming into the league that have started a zillion games in college. Yeah, and you, you the the risk you get is 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 does it feel like David Carr where they've gotten 
you know, so much scar tissue built up because of a bad situation or they got happy feet or they're just, you know, like so rattled because obviously Sam Darnold was in a disastrous situation with the Jets. Yeah, Um, He went in, you know, we briefly touched on Matt Rule. I think Matt Rule's temperament and he had Mm -hmm. been a little bit before, I think is ideal for, you know, kind of a rebuild. Obviously you mentioned Brady. Um, I, I think that so many of these guys will, because it's so transient right now in college athletics, because you see quarterbacks transfer more, they jump in, they jump out. I mean, like so many of these quarterbacks, um, even look at Matt Corral from Ole Miss, yeah. for instance, he's a guy we all you know know his story a little bit. But at one point, he wasn't going to be the guy. You know, you had John Rice Plumley like looking, I don't even know what to compare him to. Like he was like Lamar Jackson esque, <laughs> running all over the place. He was a baseball player too, and he's still doing that. But then Corral gets in there and Elaine takes him. And there's a lot of interest. Like, I'm curious what you guys see from from the, you know, when you put your scouting hats on that one. But like, I think there are so many, um, they're not like necessarily like clay, but there's so much stuff where they're not fully formed when they get to the NFL because they're bouncing around and, you know, maybe it's two years. Like, I would be, I was wrong on, on Dwayne Haskins. I thought he would have been much better. I didn't think he was going to be the disastrous fit. Mm. The, the question with some of these guys is you don't have much of a body of work to see. You know, I didn't know that, you know, his work habits were going to be what they were when you are trying. That's, that's everything, Bruce. That's yeah. everything. I mean, we, we see it on this, on, on our side of things and you, even with your relationships and being around these programs, do you, you, we don't know what these kids until these teams get them in the building. And that part, that part that you just mentioned there, if you don't have that right, you have no chance in the NFL, zero. Yeah. And the stuff I heard about, and I like Dwayne, I, I was around him a decent amount at Ohio State when he was a quarterback. And some of the stories I heard, one in particular, um, I was just like, they like, how do you get the locker room to ever look at you the same way after, you know, like, and these things, I'm not talking about like they're like, Johnny Manzelish, yeah, but they're they're still like just scream to either an immaturity or a lack of self, a lack of awareness kind of thing, and like I, I, because I worked on the Ogeron book, I was around LSU a lot the year they won the title. Like Joe Burrow, I would look at differently because he was as close to a player coach as you were going to get in college football. I know how the coaches talked about him. I know what he was like in the meetings and everything, but short of him. You know, I I just think it's a, such a different world because, like you said, these guys don't have that long, long body of work. And also because, like, they have to play now. And so guys go into bad situations usually, and then they're forced to play. They probably learn on the fly. Maybe they don't put out, you know, whatever. And then they somebody pulls the plug because either they're going to get fired or something else. And you know, it's hard to find, you know, you're not going to find Russell Wilson's out there who are like, you know, a students and just, you know, do everything but but be six, three, you know, like there's just like there's guys in college now that I hear people talking about them as not you guys, but necessarily. But some people talking about them as this guy's the first pick in the draft. I'm like, man, that doesn't line up with what I heard, because if he's going to be the first pick in the draft, there's going to be some a lot of growing pains, at least. Mm-hmm. You know? So, um I don't know. That's I guess that's the fun part, but that's also the part where people get fired for it, too. Mm-hmm. OK, so I think coming off of both of your points, I think the frustrating thing in watching it play out with the rookie quarterbacks has been you having a lot of quarterbacks who have not played a lot of games. Yet we're asking them to do very complex stuff at the NFL level instead of meeting them halfway. I think, if anything, this conversation suggests that at least the first year, you should try to have a blend of whatever they've done and mix it in with what you eventually want to do. But you have to get them comfortable because I'm looking at Sam Donald now in Carolina versus the Sam Donald that we saw with the Jets and it's night and day. But some of the things that I'm seeing them do in Carolina are what he did at USC. And so I just don't understand why there's such a reluctance to meet these young quarterbacks halfway when Bruce, you see them guys, meltdown in elite 11 you know when we start asking them to do other stuff so if you just think about it i just don't understand the reluctance at all levels to try and meet the quarterbacks where they are bucky you played in the nfl so i'm going to defer to you on this in, uh, entirely but like don't you think there's a lot of coaches that are 
they're they're not very um, pliable. I, like mm-hmm. I think it's like I think that's what you're up against is there aren't a lot of coaches who are willing to 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 try stuff that's really out of their comfort zone. If it's really out of their comfort zone, you know, like I, I'm glad you know, Kyler Murray gets to play for Cliff Kingsbury, but yeah. I, there's a lot of other coaches who would want nothing to do with some of that stuff. Like, like, again, this is not to, to like, I love Patrick Mahomes this is not a negative on him. Patrick Mahomes went to the guy who would be perfect. Yeah. You know, Patrick Mahomes went to like 60% of the rest of the teams. I don't know if Patrick Mahomes is a pro bowler. I'm not even oh, sure if yeah. he's a starter for them. Cause they would try to do stuff with him that just wouldn't, play to him so i i just think it's i feel like that's more of a coaching thing as much as it is anything else and i think there's probably people listening right here who are throwing stuff against the wall thinking that's blasphemous that patrick mahomes because of his talent his transcendent talent mm-hmm. could have gone to any of the 32 teams and he would have emerged this unbelievable superstar player it's just that's where you see now that is not where he was coming into the draft process he went to the right place he sat for a year and he had Andy Reid who built this thing around him and allowed this incredible ability this kid has to, to shine through, and he is a mega superstar, best player in the league. But I, I do – I'm with you, Bruce. I agree, and I think uh, some people won't agree with us on that, but I, I firmly agree that that is uh, a big result was where he went and how that all came together. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring – your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got him. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Okay, I love Walker Hayes. 
He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Uh, Buck, I want to get you on this real quick because you were mentioning about, uh, we're talking about Sam Darnold. So these are the, these uh, next-gen stats. We just got this packet this morning. I was combing through it. Uh, so I, I thought both of you guys would get a kick out of this. So Sam Darnold, think about this, versus four or fewer rushers, right? So no pressure. They're only rushing four. His time with the Jets versus his time with the Panthers. Obviously brief here for two games. The pressure rate with the Jets when they were only rushing four was 30.4%. With the Panthers, it's 12.8%. Like, look at how stark a difference that is. That's massive. His completion percentage goes from 62 to 68. Yards per attempt from 6.8 to 8.4. 33 touchdowns, 30 picks with the Jets, three touchdowns, no picks with the Panthers. Obviously, it's a small sample size, but it's amazing how much better you get at playing quarterback when you don't have bodies in your face with freaking seven guys back in coverage. It, 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 it really is. Like, DJ, I think it's one of those things that we talk about, and I think it's really applicable when we begin to talk about some of these college quarterbacks. I believe, man, the stuff around the quarterback matters more than what some of the quarterback, the stuff that the quarterback has. Man, we talk about it, what, protection, play caller, playmakers. When you surround those guys with the three Ps, you see them play differently. And so in Sam Darnold's case, man, even if you're skeptical of him coming out of New York, it now clearly looks like, ah, that wasn't a player issue. That's a coach he needs some help. He needs some help. Yeah. Right. It's a front, so, front office issue because you didn't you invested all that money in the quarterback. And yet there was Mekhi Becton. They did obviously draft, but it wasn't yeah. like, you know, are you signing free agents who you think can help him or are you just setting him up to fail? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it feels flatter. Yeah, it was 100 percent. We, we've even said like there was an upgrade in all three of those P's when you went from the Jets to the Panthers. Now I still, and, and you know, let's let Zach Wilson get his legs underneath him and, and see what he's going to become. I think it was from a timing standpoint, it makes sense for the Jets to push the reset button mm-hmm. and try and give Zach Wilson what you couldn't give Sam Darnold while you still have all that, you know, these five years on this rookie contract to try and build up an offensive line that still needs a lot of help. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I, I want We touched on the USC thing, Bruce. I want to delve into that a little bit more and kind of connect it. We were just talking about with Sam. What I, we can go through the different candidates, and you've written about this on the Athletic. Everybody should check it out. Um, Bruce list lays out all the candidates who he believes are the top candidates for this job. To me, they promote Dante Williams to the interim head coach. They had a big win. Uh, they go on the road, beat Washington State. He's got a reputation as the he's an elite recruiter, probably nationally, right, Bruce? Does he have a national Definitely reputation on the West Coast? Yeah, yeah. On, well, there you go. So he's got those ties there. To me, it almost kind of makes sense if you say, okay, he's going to be the one carryover from this current staff to the next one allows him to kind of keep recruiting through this, this whole year. And he could, you know, if he's given a guarantee by the administration that he's going to be around, he can sell that to the kids. But then if you married him up just from the recruiting standpoint as a tie in, then just go get, you know, California, we see these quarterbacks. I mean, Bucky talk about it every week, all these Southern California quarterbacks playing all over the sec, the big 10, they're everywhere. So go get somebody that can, that can put in the mind of the quarterback who, if it's at modern day or Bosco, wherever the hotshot quarterback is that I can't turn down USC. This is too good to turn down. And I think that almost has to be somebody that can develop that, that quarterback position. So if you had a Joe Brady as a head coach, but then you surrounded him with some, you know, recruiters and experienced guys, I was intrigued by that, by that option. So two things on Joe Brady that I, I don't want to throw water too much on that idea, but one, I'm not sure how much Joe wants to recruit and yeah. be a college coach um, like he did it for one year and he didn't really even make it to the signing day, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did and he didn't, you know, they had the night, but he was gone right after the national title game Two, we're just talking about what Sam Darnold and the Panthers are doing right now. 
Joe Brady is may not be that far away from interviewing for an NFL head coaching job. He interviewed last year. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, point. I mean, like, and getting one right, yeah. especially if like if the Panthers go ten and six or something, which doesn't sound like it's that far fetched. Ten and seven, Bruce. So yeah, a new math now. That's right. So <laughs> yeah, they go eleven and six. Um, then he could probably get a head coaching job at whatever he is thirty two now. Um, I think if you were to ask Joe Brady, um offline and say, Hey, which would you rather be an NFL head coach or have a big, big job on the West coast as a head coach at USC? I don't think Joe Brady grew up thinking I want to be the next Pete Carroll and coach at USC. I don't think he's that's, I don't think that's him, especially when he could get either this year or next year, the way things are going, he could get an NFL head coaching job. I think, remember, this is a guy who, yes, he did spend time on James Franklin staff around Joe Moorhead at Penn State, and he did spend that time on the national title team with LSU, but he also spent time around Drew Brees and and Sean Payton and Pete Carmichael and those guys with the Saints, and I think that was a big deal for him. And so I, I suspect the next time Joe, when Joe Brady becomes a head coach, it's going to be an NFL. Not in he also has Matt rule right there who he could ask, walk down the hall and say, Hey, you've done both. What's better. And I'm sure knowing Matt, he'd probably tell him this is, I'd rather spend my time coaching ball than recruiting. So yeah, through a lot, you didn't just throw some water on that. You freaking doused it. Well, uh, well, listen, like, I like some of the, the NFL names on some sense, you know, makes, you know, are intriguing, but you know, I talked to a lot of coaches who've either been in, you know, been in college and then went to the NFL and the thing that they have the hardest time with is recruiting is all consuming, right? And by the way, and I don't know if they, they get this part of it, but you co-coach the USC, you're going to have to go compete against Mario Cristobal, who is basically like Ed Ogeron 2.0, where he's the head coach who is obsessed with recruiting. Most mm-hmm. head coaches are, can be good recruiters. They're not obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Mario Cristobal is obsessed with it. And that's what you're going to have to compete against. And I'm not saying that's all you're going to have to compete against because right now everybody comes into Southern California to, to, you know, whether it's Dabo now is coming in. When was Clemson in here? Mm-hmm. Like 10 years ago? No. Yeah. Um, Ohio, Ohio State. State. You know, LSU got Eli Ricks out of here. Certainly Nick Saban has, you know, has gotten uh, at least out of California. He's gotten some really good players. And so, and Sark is going to come out here now, right? Because these yeah. are Sark's roots at Texas. Lincoln Riley's gotten players. So it's just, I think if you are not, if you don't really get recruiting, like I think on the part where where Chris Peterson kind of nailed it was, you do have to, you know, like you have to want a battle on that. You can't, mm-hmm. if that's not who you are, um, you're going to come up empty. Because I know I have a story that I'm doing at the for the Athletic that's going to come out in a couple of days on kind of how USC lost its way. And I've talked to a lot of guys who've coached there. Uh, and one of the things that's come up was just Clay Helton just really was not able to close. And when he could not go head to head, you know, you can set up, if you're on his staff, you can say, hey, we're setting up a home visit for the head coach. And if he comes in there right after Urban Meyer came in there, right? <laughs> that's not a fair fight. No, it's not a fair fight. It's like you're uh, going, it's like you're going to a gunfight with a with a plastic utensil. You uh, know, that just that really undermined that program. And so, and I could rattle off a lot of names after we get off and say, "Hey, this guy was a four star, and this guy's a five star." And I know you guys both follow recruiting enough. You know, yeah, like, yeah I forgot about that. That's a real bad evaluation. But because mm-hmm. they because they committed to USC, they they became a four star guy, mm-hmm. um, and so that's the that's the conundrum with this job, right? And so I, it's not just Joe Brady. I just think there's going to be a lot of NFL names that get thrown out that are probably non starters, realistically. You know, um, it's funny because in listening to DJ's idea, you can have a lot of pushback from those who are pegged as recruiters as, yeah, I don't want to just stay on staff as the major recruiter without getting a nibble. How um, plausible is it for Dante Williams to stay around if he doesn't get the head job? Well, two things. It's my understanding Dante Williams has like a three-year deal, and I think it's close to a million dollars a year. So if Dante Williams gets an associate head coach title with it um, and you're saying just to, to stay on as an assistant not to keep the job yes. yeah okay. um, I think the challenge is going to be whoever takes over has got to I don't want to say they got to be convinced but like you don't want to be dictated who's going to be on your staff all the way either so mm-hmm. 
most of the guys I think will consider the job. I don't think they're West, unless it's Cristobal himself. I think most of the guys would be guys either from the Midwest or like I look at James Franklin. I'm like, that would make a lot of sense there. Um, I know Penn State fans hate when I say something like that, but Penn State's a really good job. USC is an even better job. There's just way more talent in your two hour drive from there. And there is no Ohio State in the Pac-12 South. You are mm-hmm. set up to win big. If you are James Franklin, though, or if you're Matt Campbell or Luke Fickle, um, you need guys who know the Pac-12, you know. And so I think that, you know, Dante Williams, the one, the, the probably the best thing I think you can say about him is, they were really reeling in recruiting because Clay Helton had been on the hot seat for three years. One thing Dante Williams did a really good job of was he cultivated relationships with key people, especially in Southern California, but on the West coast. And I think that makes him a big asset to them. You know, it's not like they're very good on defense, but I, and he's not the defensive coordinator either. So Mm -hmm. I can see him being, you know, the, the current USC administration pushing for him to stay on because I know they really value what he brings. So can I go ahead? Yeah, you you brought up guys and the names that you brought up, James Franklin and Matt uh, Campbell and Luke Fickle are all Midwestern guys. Like, do you believe that it's a drastic change to go from coaching in the Midwest to coaching on the West Coast? And would they want to embrace the celebrity that comes along with being USC's coach? I think that's the interesting dynamic of all this, because. You talk to, and I work with two former USC stars and Matt Leiner and Reggie Bush. You talk to a lot of people who've been out here and they think one of the things that was key to Pete, Pete Carroll was Pete Carroll got the locker room, but he also got the city and got the celebrity aspect of it and embraced it and, and used it to his advantage. It's a kind of a thorny thing, though, because you can also go chase the wrong thing and you end up, there's a lot of parallels between Texas and USC, soft you know, kind of players not accountable, caught up in the wrong things. And so I think that is the tricky part. Now, now, if you're Matt Campbell and Luke Fickle, I don't think from what I know, and I know Matt Campbell better than I know Luke Fickle, but those guys, I don't think they can, if if they were to take the job, and I don't think Luke Fickle is probably going to consider it that much. I'd be surprised. He's got six kids. I think everything I've heard is he's so Midwest-wide. Matt Campbell, I think, might be more intrigued because I don't know how much further he could take the Iowa State program. But if you come out here, I don't think, and he takes a job, and I don't think he would do this either, but you can't try to become something you are not because Mm -hmm. people will see through it. I think Clay Helton, to his credit, never tried to be Hollywood, I don't think. Um, James Franklin, I'm not saying he's Hollywood, but James Franklin, you guys have been around him. And by the way, he has yeah, and he has he has a presence to him that's a little different. He's also coached, you know, he's coached in the conference. He was on Mike Zimmer's staff a long time ago at Washington State. Um, I could see James Franklin out here more. I can see him kind of connecting with that. Of all the candidates who I think are realistic fits, he is the one guy I'd say he feels a little more like he's, and I'm not saying he would go Hollywood and kind of run it like Pete Carroll did, but there is a little more of a connection to it with him than I think the other guys who USC will seriously consider. Well, when you, you talked about the home visit being able to close and you talked about having kind of that charisma and personality, I, mean, I James Franklin was the first name that I thought of. Mario Cristobal comes in there on Friday night, and James Franklin comes in there Saturday night. I think that's a that's not a uh, that's not a uh, plastic uh, utensil at that point in time yeah. from a closing standpoint. Here's one that uh, we've heard bandied about a little bit, which I another guy who I think has NFL opportunities if he wants it. But do you think with uh, with Oklahoma? I know everybody looks at it as this great thing that they're going to the SEC. I don't necessarily share that opinion. Um, they go from uh, pretty much walking into the college football playoff every year to now you're, you're, you've got four or five teams with as much or more resources than you do and a better recruiting base than you have. Is that Does that change the thinking at all that, that Lincoln Riley would maybe consider? If it's not USC, the NFL, that you could see him move on? I think it's more his next move, and I don't know when it would come, would be to the NFL. I, yeah. I don't think he's pretty close to to competing for to having a shot at really winning a national title now and it's taken him a while to you know he got the right defensive coordinator in there i think he's got a lot of other pieces there by the way and this is not this i think is an un, an under 
scored point. He works for the best AD in college athletics and Joe Castiglione. There's a lot of skepticism about, you know, Mike Bone. Mike Bone. For those that don't know, is a USC. I'm sorry, yeah. He's the USC AD. He made a really good hire at Cincinnati with Luke Fickle. He made some really questionable hires when he was the AD at Colorado. I think there are some coaches out there who aren't sure what to make of Mike Bone. And I think, you know, if you're Lincoln Riley and you are basically at the top of the food chain or right there, I think you care about who your AD is a lot because you know the partnership there. And so I just think, you know, everything, you don't know the SEC. Cause you know, look when he, you know, I, I was on the, at the, uh, the Mercedes Benz stadium in, in Atlanta where LSU could have beat him by 70 points in the semifinal game. Like yeah. he'd seen some SEC teams and, you know, like just, they hung with Georgia when they had Baker at the Rose bowl, but there's been some other things that have not been good. So the SEC is going to be a different kind of challenge. I agree with you, but you still, to win a national title, you're going to have to go through those teams at some point. You either have to go through them in November or you got to go through them in January. And I just think that USC is not going to be built to go jump in and win a national title right away. I mean, somebody could take them over and probably be a top 10 team, I think. But to, to actually beat these other teams, you do not have the infrastructure. You do not have the linemen. You do not have the defensive players. You definitely don't have the offensive linemen. You don't have a special, you know, like a special running back. So um, there's just a lot that needs to be added. And I think that's going to take time. So I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a real candidate. If- so, so here, here's my last question for me on this with the USC thing. I, from a rule standpoint, I was curious, we have kind of the free transfer rule. Is that going, is that the case going forward? Are you allowed to, so you're going to get that free, don't have to sit out of your transfer. Is that what it will be for next year? Yeah, but you also you have a one time transfer exemption. So it's yes. not like if a kid jumped, he can't keep doing it. Yeah. Um, but you still got to manage your roster to some degree. It's not like it's going to be massive free agency. And there's some of this legislation that's going to come through that may give you some of the flexibility. But I wouldn't expect like like we've seen USC has taken a ton of transfers now. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, but Bruce, you guys put out I mean, the athletic put out the top. 100 transfers yeah. and i i combed through that thing and i was looking at different teams and usc had 12 transfers and i think the highest rated one on that list was in the 40s yeah. my question is if we've talked about all this talent from southern california that's been farmed out all over the country if you hired the right coach all these kids know each other ha- crap half of them played together at either modern day or bosco and say okay now they've got the coach at usc we all have a free time transfer we can all come back together to me it just seems like where you'd have to build up three recruiting classes and wait for those kids to get older and stronger to turn a program around has it ever been easier to have a quick fix turnaround that's my question probably not i mean one of the guys we had really high on that transfer list was kenneth walker who is a running back at wake forest and now is at michigan state and the guys i know on that staff were like raving about him and we're three games in the season he's i'm not saying he's going to win the highest but yeah, he's killing it. He's he is killing, killing it for them. And like the guy I know on that staff was like, you got to see this guy. And I was like, it's interesting. Cause like a year ago, everybody talked about the quarterback going to Georgia from that team. And he didn't, and he never played. Um, and then it's this kid. So I, I do think if you get a couple of the right guys, it can make a big difference, no doubt, because they can hit literally hit the ground running. Um, so there is that. And there's certainly a lot of Southern California kids who, you know, maybe if it's not working out, like Bryce Young was once committed to USC, but he's not mm-hmm. going to, I don't think, no. you know, you're, you're, we're talking about kids who are, there have to be some reason why they're leaving the place they're leaving. You know, it's like just for that. And, but maybe there are a handful who would say, Hey, always want I grew up a USC fan. Now I have the chance to go play for him. Maybe, maybe there, there'll be a handful of those. I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I think the USC thing is, Fascinating, but I can't let you go because you brought up this team. Sark in Texas. What are our expectations over the next two years? Do you think he has enough to be able to jumpstart it and really get it going at, at UT? I think he has enough to work with. He, to his credit, he hired what I think is a really, really good staff. He's got good recruiters, good position coaches, I think good coordinators. He has one elite running back in Bijan Robinson. Um, who might be as talented as any running back in college football. Now they got a couple of good big people on the D line, but where I feel like similar to USC, you know, Tom Herman hired a, 
the hire, recruited a bunch of top 10 uh, classes and, and a lot of DBs who are four and five star guys who nobody's going to ever hear of when it comes to the NFL draft. So, you know, like I was surprised they played as well as they did against Louisiana, who's a really good Sunbelt team. And I was all, the flip side, they looked equally as disappointing the next time out. And when they got just manhandled by Arkansas, right? And, you know, DJ was talking about the OU thing going to the, going to the SEC. Like, that was an SEC team. It wasn't an elite SEC team, but it was like, hey, we're going to punch you in the mouth like three times. Let's see what happens. And yeah. it didn't go well. So how quickly can Sark and that staff fix that? Because that is a huge Texas problem, right? And that's and they don't see that much in the in like Matt Rule would try to do that. K State occasionally would try to do that, but the you don't see that in the Big Twelve. So um, and they you know Bucky in your time frame that's right around the time they're probably going to get into the SEC, and that's going to be a tougher challenge. Like I heard great things about Hudson Card from guys on that staff, mm-hmm. but it he, he wasn't ready. And now Casey Thompson's got it. Maybe Casey Thompson will play well enough where he doesn't give it up for the, for, for the rest of his time there. I don't know. But they have a couple of pieces. They do not have enough of them. They are very To me, they are very similar to USC in that they have enough like frontline wow guys where they can beat anybody on their schedule, but they can't, you know, go much more well. than that. You know, like that's why I think Sark's got to really flip it internally. And I, we'll see if he can get it done. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Okay, 
I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Last one for me. I'm always curious looking for these next group of guys and coaching-wise. You know, where is the innovation coming from? I know just flipping on games on Saturdays. I, if I see a Coastal Carolina game, even yeah. though they're a rival mm-hmm. of ours up at App State, I'll watch Jamie Chadwell because I want to see what he's doing with this offense because they're pretty darn innovative. Um, is you know, a what do you think of him? And B, you know, who are some of these other young innovators that are that are coming up? Yeah, you took the first one out of my mouth. Jamie Chadwell and what they do. His and I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys remember this name, Bucky. It's from kind of not far from where you're from, Willie Corn. Um, oh was, yeah quarterback recruit went to Clemson didn't work out and then played at a much smaller school and they do some funky stuff on offense and you know Grayson McCall fit he's kind of where from where um um Sam Howell is from I think at some point you know like they're basically from the same maybe the same county we turned him down at app by the way he came to our camp he wanted to go there and we didn't take him yeah that's not looking too too precious but but like they do really interesting stuff I think he was up for a couple of SEC jobs. Tennessee could have had him. South Carolina could have had him. What I, my understanding was, there was a little bit of hesitation that, well, both he and his entire staff have never worked in Power Five. They're all small school guys. Jamie Chadwell was going to wanted to bring his whole staff there, and unlike, like, let's say USC. I mean, ge- geographically, I mean, he's from East Tennessee, played at East Tennessee State. that would have worked at Tennessee. Like if I'm a Tennessee fan, I'm, I'm like, you know, get nauseous every time I watch coastal Carolina play, you know, because that should have been there. And again, maybe, maybe it'll work for Josh Heupel. He's a good offensive coach, but like that was a guy and some, you know, like, uh, unfortunately for USC, some of the guys who I think, you know, are ready to take a big step up, Geographically, I'm not sure what how they fit at USC. Jamie Chadwell, Billy Napier at Louisiana has done a really good job. Billy Napier has mm-hmm. a really good staff. I think he is, you know, he's, he's coached at Alabama. He, yeah, so I was going to say, coached at Alabama. He was at one point a coordinator at Clemson, son of a coach. He has taken a lot of lessons that I think worked out very well. Um, I think are are you know are translating a couple other guys. Like I mentioned, this guy. Um, when we talked about Ohio State, like Ryan Hartline, I think yeah, he has got to be on people's radar because what he has done for Ohio State, he has the best receiver room in the country. He's not just proven to be an elite recruiter. I think, you know, he was obviously a really good player because he played in the NFL for the Dolphins and after he played at Ohio State. And I think he can be choosy. And I think he will because he's an Ohio State guy and that's in his DNA. But if Luke Fickle leaves Cincinnati, maybe they go back to Marcus Freeman, who left there to be the D.C. at Notre Dame. But like, I think Brian Hartline is going to rise fast on 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 people's eyes just because of what he's doing there. And I think working hand in hand with Ryan Day, I think, is a big deal. Um, those are guys that I think I think it's it's critical if you have somebody who can really develop the room. Right. I mean, to me, that is the thing that often is the most overlooked aspect of of you know what sometimes we talk about in the media we get caught up in x and o's a lot which is not not saying it doesn't matter but i think it's like how do you have guys ready because especially at some of these positions you are gonna if you're a receiver receivers definitely could be you know could bail out you know to go to the nfl early and how do you replace them and how do you kind of translate how do you get that you're also dealing with a lot of ego you know not say the skill positions have it more than maybe Mm -hmm. linemen do but i think that's something that 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 really is, you know, people take note of that, right? Um, you know, I, I think Joe Moorhead's stock will get hot again. You know, like he was, yeah, he was really good job. yeah. I mean, he he outcoached Ohio State so badly in that matchup, right? I mean, they 
you know, I don't know how good of a prospect Anthony Brown Jr. is. He's going to he played at BC, played a lot. He's a really bright kid. He's had, you know, two major knee injuries, but he played really well in that game. But it's not like Oregon has the same. They don't have anywhere near the receivers that Ohio State did. And Joe Moorhead is such a good play caller and he's really creative. And people are, you know, people maybe get nauseous of hearing the term RPO, but he RPOs the heck out of people. And I think he put together a really good game plan. I think Kalen DeBoer in Fresno, people talked about What's him. What's his background? Because I, I don't, I don't, I'm just learning hearing his he name. He was at there. a really small NAIA school, did really well. And at some point, Indiana hired him to be the OC. And I didn't know anything about him when he was there. But I remember talking to a buddy of mine who was a defense coordinator in the league. He was like, the guy at Indiana does some really – cool stuff and they play they're a pain in the butt to deal with because he game plans really well and so i you know i live out here in los angeles i know the ucla staff really well and I, they had a week to you know they had a bye week and they were very concerned about him and they knew there was a bunch of uh like pac 12 transfers there ty jones who was a bigger crew for washington he's there jake hayner who physically um you know probably looks you know, doesn't look like an NFL guy in terms of just like walking around, but he slings it around pretty good. And he like, I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch that game. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, watch the watch the fourth quarter. You watch the TV copy, to be honest, because you will see the wincing. Uh, you get it up like like he throws a touchdown pass late in the game against UCLA. It's not even the game winning touchdowns, the one before that. But I guess it gives them a lead back where I was like, man, that must have been a really late hit because why is he on the ground? Because nobody was close to him. Well, you realize he took two hits on the play before, and one looked like he was either in the kidneys or the ribs, where he was wincing so bad that after he threw the ball, he just went down in agony. Nobody touched him. And that was like wow. that for the rest of the rest of the game. Like I think Fresno, like they've been kind of my sleeper for a while. I thought they were they were a 20-point underdog to Oregon. They gave him all they could handle. Um, and then they obviously beat what I think is still a good UCLA team. I mean, we talk a lot about Cincinnati and they're good. We talk a lot about BYU and they're good. I think Fresno is really good. This is a really, really good college quarterback. And it's a really good coach who I think, you know, the Mountain West has, has produced a lot of good coaches who springboarded up. Kalen DeBoer to me is probably that next guy. Oh, man, I could go on and on, Bruce. You've been generous with your time here. Buck, anything else you, you want to get out of Bruce, drag out of him before we wrap up? Uh, Bruce, Marcus Freeman, how quickly can he fix what's ailing Notre Dame's defense? Because right now the transition hasn't looked smooth. Do you think he gets it fixed before the end of the season? I do think he – look, he has one piece that almost nobody has back there. Like the wow guy oh, is a freak, man. Yeah, I mean the ground he covers and the range he has, I think what's different for them is I think the front seven is kind of limited. You know, like the expectations are high. I don't – like I feel like you have – one elite elite player and then and i don't want to say he had better players at cincinnati but he had uh sauce gardner is a big time corner right and he has uh, like probably three guys in the front seven who are like two guys are almost twins or six five two sixty and super like they were both my freaks list guys um beavers and uh Majay Sanders, and they have another guy who can like they had a lot of speed on that defense right so um, I think he will, he's a really good coach. I, I don't have any doubts that he'll get it better, but I think what, what to me, we're talking Notre Dame is more interesting, not more interesting, but more of a eye opener is they're struggling on the offensive line, which, Hey, maybe they were long past due because they've been so good on the offensive line with tight ends too, that this is the first time that they're looking pretty shaky. You know, they're get, giving up pressures. They're not running the ball as well. I think that's probably a bigger concern than like, I, I think they'll get, they'll, they'll be fine on defense. I think he did give up a bunch of big plays. I think it was young guys kind of figuring out a little bit of a new system, but it's the offensive line. I'm, I'm more interested by, cause I'm, I'm more curious where that goes from here. All right, Bruce. I, I, I said that was my last question. Final one that I'll let you go. I've just come across some very interesting names this year. Your favorite name in college football as we wrap up. Um, mine would probably be Smoke Monday, or, or it's either Smoke Mo Monday or Cuvassier Smoke. <laughs> That's pretty and good. I, yeah, and for a guy who smoked two cigarettes in my life and not in the last 
probably 36 years. <laughs> what's what's the name? Of, what's the name of my guy at Alabama? They've got a great name at Alabama. Oh, oh, um, God, what Kool Aid? Um, Kool Aid, yeah, it's Kool Aid. Yeah. The guy at Southern Utah, and I would butcher the name. There, I told you about him, right, DJ? This is oh. they have a linebacker who's from Hawaii. Yeah. who was super athletic, was like track background. And if you watch the film of them against Weber State last year, you'll see like – Oh, you told me of him chasing the guy, right? Yeah, and yeah. it's like it's like Ohano, Ohano, Ohano Davis or something. It's some, some like super long name. It's not fitting on the back of a jersey, but that would probably – if I could say it, that would be my favorite name. Okay. Well, we have four, and I've I've taken measures to make sure that we don't have a fifth. But if we did, Kool-Aid was very much in the mix for number five. <laughs> The days when Kool-Aid covers DeColdis Crawford and it's coming next year when he gets to LSU, <laughs> that'll be the matchup we're waiting for. Oh, I love it. Hey, Bruce, you're the best, man. Thanks for your time. Yeah. I appreciate you. Always a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Bruce. Uh, Buck, there you go. There's our buddy, Bruce Feldman. Um, as great as always. Love having him on again. Encourage everybody to check out The Athletic for all Bruce's work. It's fantastic. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. Appreciate you guys. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 